Hey guys, welcome to Untucked. Today we're going to talk about the role of the advisor in um, some of these like kind of headline driven market um, moments that we're experiencing today. Um, crypto, for example, um, NFTs, right? A couple of things that we've talked about in the past. And then we are going to discuss the various shortages um, that seem to, that are happening right now. We're starting with chicken, but we talk a little bit about lumber and um, other supplies too. So enjoy. The opinions expressed on this podcast are our own and they do not reflect the opinions or views of FC Advisory, the Financial Coach Group, or the New Wealth Project. Nothing discussed on this podcast should be interpreted as investment advice. Welcome to episode 51 of Untucked. This is Megan. And Mike. And this is Jeff. Are you guys familiar with Easter Island? No. There's these like stone heads that are on Easter Island. You've probably, stone heads? Yeah, heads. Yeah. You've probably seen oh, those. Different than what I was thinking. Uh, they actually have bodies. Like the heads that come out of the ground. They excavated a few of them like 100 years ago and found that they had like 33-foot bodies below the surface. Hmm. That's cool. And <laughs> so you think that was like intentional? Yeah, probably. Or maybe like the island grew over the bodies over time maybe. <laughs> I could do some more research. Yeah, when did you come up with this fun fact? Uh, what time is it now? <laughs> so Don't timestamp this because it takes I a while to get to, it out. I um, wanted to deliver to you guys a fun fact of like the origin of the saying dressed to the nines. Because I'm like kind of interested in where it came from. There's absolutely no solid record of where that came. Like there's a dozen different hype. What's the word I'm looking for? Theories. Theories of uh, of where that saying came from. All of them sound really like legit. Legit, like I would believe any of them. <laughs> like they used to say that it, it that you needed nine feet of fabric to to make a really good custom suit oh. to dress to the nines. But I'm like, oh, I believe that. And then tailors were like, you only need like three or four feet. <laughs> tailors out here disputing. <laughs> I just assumed it was like nine out of ten. You know, like you're as good as you can get without being the best. I thought it was like 9 p.m. Like, like you, 9 p.m. So like it's a really nice dinner party or a, event. Ugh. I think we can all come up with like our <laughs> own and maybe kind of start circulating it and see what happens. No. Mm. Right. Uh, and I have no interest in doing that. Okay. <laughs> well, Philly sports. Dude, we had the NFL draft. I don't think we've spoken mm. since that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Devontae Smith. Yeah. Heisman Trophy winner, apparently. I had no yeah. idea. Yeah, he did. Bama? Where did where did um Jalen Hurts go? They Oklahoma. Played, I think they played together. But he also went to Bama. Okay. So I think it's Alabama. I think they played him. <laughs> I think they played right? together. Right? Hurts was Oklahoma and Bama? Is that right? Oh, am I going to have to fact check this and then delete it all? Probably. <laughs> uh I think it's I mean, a look, big get, right? I think it's People a huge get. I think the birds certainly need 
a burner. Like they need somebody who's got speed because my boy who I love Deshaun just it doesn't have it anymore. Like he just, he doesn't have it anymore yeah. and he's always hurt. So they needed a guy on the outside instead of relying on Rager or any of these other guys that just don't have it. What's the other dude's name? Uh, receiver. We have Rager and we have uh guy, guy, they're all so like forgetful that I don't even know. I don't even know who we have on the team anymore. Um, yeah, I think it's a. I think it's a good get. I didn't really pay attention to much of the draft after that. People are excited. That's. I mean, I. I have. I don't know a lot about him. I don't care a ton about the birds. Um, but Twitter was excited. Excited about the pick. The pick, and then I guess. He, the the Giants were planning to to pick him, so I guess there was some sort of trade that worked out in the Eagles' benefit to be able to move up yeah, and get Smith, yeah. who the Giants were eyeing. So people were also excited about that. Obviously, I only follow Philly sports people. So, I mean, is, how, much of a, how much of a guarantee is this guy to be like a legit, you know, a legit number one? I would probably say it's a coin toss. Mm-hmm. Mainly based upon his size, because he's, he's really skinny, right? He's like 165, 185 pounds. Yeah, he's small. He's tall, but he's tiny. If he if he was like Calvin Johnson, yeah, of course he's gonna guy's wow. gonna be a stud. Comparing him to the goat. Yeah, but yeah, I think in, especially in the NFL, like he he gets. I mean, dude, Deshaun Jackson used to, in the early his career would go. In early in his career, would go across the middle and get his head taken off. Now, he still turned out to be a great wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah, and his injuries were like hammies and groins. It wasn't like getting you know concussed for. He know, had a, a concussion season. or two, it but it never kept him out for an entire season. But yeah, it was it was hammies and, um, yeah. So I my my fear is just coming off of two tours with Deshaun Jackson and knowing how these just skinnier guys can just get hurt. Uh, I think, I think it's a coin toss. Yeah. But I think after last season when there wasn't a lot to be, there was nothing to be excited about. Then let's just take this and hope for the best. I have go to Atlanta week one, see what happens. Schedules out too. Yeah. I have no excitement for the Eagles. I, I think I might have said this on, on a previous pod. I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just you're on the record. Could, yeah. Couldn't care less when the season starts. You're going to watch every game. I will. We are going to talk about every game on Monday. What, what do they play? 16 games? Yeah. Didn't uh, they make it 17? Or is that in the works? Oh. I think you might. God, we should actually like <laughs> Look do some research up. before we have these podcasts. No one's coming here for legit analysis. You don't think so? <laughs> no. I think we'll just go with it, Mike. I think they did approve the 17-game yeah. schedule. I say the Eagles win less than six games. Oh, wow. That's yeah. bad. Oh, yeah. It's going to be bad. Like, brace it's yourself. step back. Oh, yeah. Step back. Absolutely. It's hard to step back from last year, dude. Dude, I hope I'm wrong, and I hope the fact <clears throat> that they're going to go into the, the, new, the new season with – no drama behind them, which we haven't had in years now. Yeah. Um, 
you know, we know who the quarterback is. We have a number one pick. Uh, yeah, hopefully we go into it, and I'm surprised. But, I, I mean, if I had to bet money, six or less, dude. I don't know. It's the NFL. I, I might – we'll revisit that when the season starts. I might take the other side of that one. Okay. Well, let, let's document All my right. – like this episode, this prediction. I'm just looking at the non uh, – I don't even know who's in the conference, but Chiefs. Loss. Bucks. Loss. Raiders. Lions. Chargers. Broncos. Those are all like coin toss. Probably L's. <laughs> but yeah, probably L's, but coin toss. But I mean, the NFC East still blows, right? I think so. Cowboys are getting Dak back. Right. The Washington football team may have a name by then. So they're going to be pretty solid. <laughs> They'll be solid. <laughs> I think Alex Smith is finally retiring. Yeah. So there might be a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, Washington's going to suck. The Giants are probably going to suck. Although they, they, I think the Giants started to look pretty good towards the tail end of last year. So, dude, I'm telling you, like coin toss <laughs> for like any game that we think they might win. Like I don't, I don't look at that schedule and go, oh yeah, Eagles will win that game. Oh no, not at all. Like I don't think there's one on there. No. Even the Raiders, is it here or is it in California? At. At Cali. At. Yeah. Loss. <laughs> Yeah, trending down, trending down. <laughs> All right. Flyers season, thank God, is over. Yeah. Um, it's like you finally like put down your dog that has been struggling for the last five years. Yeah, the last 10 or 12 games were – well, no, it was more than that. The last 20 games, I would say. Sorry to all you dog owners out there. Wow. No, I was – actually, I was thinking about the, a couple things. The, the offseason – you know, the, the fans are clamoring for major moves, blow up the team, we need to get a – you know, a number one D, this, that, and the other. It is going to be next to impossible for Fletcher to do anything really significant just because the cap's flat. There's not a lot available um, for value for a good price. I mean, you know, you think somebody's going to take Voracek at $10 million? They're going to have to eat that if they get rid of it. It's just there's so many challenges in the offseason i would say <clears throat> excuse me that uh i'd be there's gonna be major changes but i'd be surprised if they are like <laughs> in a um significantly better position than just hoping that their guys play better next year they here's the other thing they finished, I think, like two games above 500, which puts them in the middle of the draft. So they're getting a again, a they're horrible getting a total, pick. like you know, hope it works out. Maybe a 17th overall pick or something. Plus, in a draft year that's incredibly hard to do, deal with because you know the OHL was shut down. There's a lot of kids that weren't playing. They couldn't be observed. The scouts aren't really sure. They're, they're less sure than ever about who's who. If you think back, they they started off the season. I, don't, I forget something like twelve and five, but they were playing like dog shit. They deserved to be under five hundred from the gate, and they really deserved to be like in the bottom four or five of the whole league with a high pick. And they ended up going five hundred, winning games that they had no business winning. And then, of course, they went through March and it was a debacle. But it's almost a shame that this team 
so vastly underperformed to almost to a player. Like the grades would be C and below for Oof. almost all of them. Uh, and a couple of them, again, would get us. Like it, it, it's incredible how um, up and down the lineup, how poorly the seasons were for almost every guy on this team. Um, and yet they finished 500? That's it's been the flyers. Crazy. That's been the flyers theme. Like my whole life, either they're they're in the playoffs and they're good, and they have a shot, or they just miss the playoffs. Yeah, they're they're and and they and they don't get. They're in the worst high, spot. Yeah, they're, they're in the worst spot every year. Mediocre every year is not going to help you rebuild and all that. But blow it up, like, rebuild. They've suck never next year. they've never been this bad. Um, Process. Never have, have, have there been this many players on the team have this bad of a season. Even when they've been mediocre before, there's been, you know, four, five, six guys who had good years. Farabee and Giroux, probably the only guys I would say had good years. I mean, we, we have to move on, right? Like It's hard to. Giroux, he's got to go at some point. Like, yeah, but how, do you get him, how do you get rid of him? I don't Just release him. I don't know. <laughs> Just let them go, man. Start over. You know how contracts work? No, not yeah. at all. They still got to pay them. It's still on their cap I'm just, hit. I'm just so over the same faces. I, I hear you. And it's the same result every time. And we talked about this before. Like, we don't have a stud. Yeah. They. It's, 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 they it's wildly had, frustrating, man. It's, it's hard to get a stud. Unless you're picking high in a really good draft. Now the Flyers picked number two overall a few years ago. Who they get? Nolan Patrick, who's an absolute bust. Ooh. Absolute bust. Is he still on the team? Mm-hmm. Anyway, nothing more to say on the Flyers. Uh, my point is going to be really hard this offseason to, to, um, to, to make it such that we come into next fall you know, feeling good about their prospects. Your expe- expectations for next year must be like thumbs Trending down. down. Yeah. My expectation for next year is 500 once again. Maybe if they're lucky. No, they're better. Th- these players are better than they played. Are they? You've, I feel like you've been saying that for a few years now. Don't forget, and, and this is not an excuse. We don't know how bad COVID impacted this team. 70% of the team had COVID. They sat, sat out, and a lot of the players were talking about how hard it was to come back from it and play. And and yes, every team had to deal with it, but some teams had to deal with it worse than others. It could have been that this team just had that part of it, which which made it worse. Not an excuse, but I, I'll, I'll take your word for it, man. I, hey, I, I will go into next. I mean, season. around the league, you can't. You, everyone observes this team and says, on paper, these players are better than they played. I, I don't. I hate when people say that. Why? I hate it because on paper they should be better, but they're not. So in real life. They suck. Like, on paper, they should be great. Okay, but they're not. Okay, but the thing is, everyone's like, blow them up, blow them up. Get rid of Giroux, uh, Vorchek, everybody. You can't do that. If you can't do that, that's another story. If you, they could do that and they weren't, I would be pissed. I'd be like, come on, we, we got to try something different. Yeah. If we can't, we can't. We just got to deal with what we got. You have to deal with what you got and hope that you draft well. Some of these young guys really progress. And there's a couple coming up that hopefully are going to be impact players. And, and then in, in two years, if nothing's improved, then everything's gone. Like the yeah. management's gone. Coach is gone. 
Um, by that time, Giroud and Voracek will be kind of, I don't know how long their contracts have yeah. left, but you know, it'll be definitely time to reboot, but not, not optimistic. So over two Eagles flyers. We gotta go Phil's. Uh, the last time we recorded a pod, I had said how things looked pretty good, and then they immediately like looked like dog shit for the next like seven or eight games, and then they won five in a row, which put them in first in their division, and now they're a game back. So they're just they're a game back behind. It. But the Mets have like five games in hand on the on the on the Phils. So I mean they're they're a game back, but anything can happen. So still early. Um, it's always early in baseball. Isn't it's it? always early. It's always early. First um, 160 games. They played. Yeah, they they won five games in a row. They were looking good. People have an issue with Girardi. They. I mean, mm. I listen to the like the commentary, and it's like, no matter what a baseball manager does, somebody has a problem with it, right? If they leave the the starting pitcher in for nine innings to get a complete game. Uh, and he and he gives up a, a solo home run to lose the game in the bottom of the ninth or, or the top of the ninth. They're like, why didn't leave him in? If they take him out in the seventh, then they bitched that they took they took him out. So I don't know how much. I'm not a baseball guy, so I don't know how much is really on Girardi. Um, they said he's made some questionable calls, but I mean, God, they pay 1,782 <laughs> games. Like he's gonna make a couple questionable calls. Um, Hector Neris is their closer, and he's sketchy. He's just sketchy. He's not. He's not a, you know, what was it? Oh four when they won the the World Series. Oh eight. Oh eight. Um, you know, Brad Lidge. It was unbelievable oh, to watch him pitch. Loved Brad. Lidge. Yeah, because he came in and he knew he was getting. Dude, he had a perfect season. Um, Hector Naris, dude. The last game it was Saturday. Saturday they played the Atlanta Braves in Atlanta. And he gives up a frick, like a freaking two-run home run. He serves this guy a cookie <laughs> that he just demolishes and knocks out of the park to tie it in the bottom of the ninth, three-three, and then they lose in the bottom of the twelfth. Like, dude, the Phillies scored four runs in the top of the twelfth to go up seven-three. They lost to the Braves in the bottom of the twelfth. Like, their closing pitching is terrible. Hasn't the, their bullpen been like the worst in the league their for the last like four was years? The worst of all time like literally of all time last year but their bullpen looks a little better this year a little yeah yeah they're definitely better this year than they were last year i mean there was only one way to go because they were the worst of all time last year so we'll see we still have uh, about nine tenths of the season left and yeah. they've paid 150 games so just well i'll check back in next time. sixers are looking they're looking pretty solid, though. Yeah. There's something to be excited about around these parts. They need to close out. They need to <clears> win <throat> one game so that we can just know they're in first. Yeah, so they could have clinched on, what's today? Thursday? I guess it was Tuesday. They lost to Indiana, which Joel didn't play. his a non-COVID-related illness. He's not playing again in Miami tonight. Um, but, yeah, they're currently first in the East one win away from the first seed. The bottom of the East is still to be determined. So it's like Boston. I think it's Charlotte. Wouldn't you love to play Boston in the first, and just yeah. beat the yeah. living crap out of them? Especially because Jalen Brown's out for the season now. So like yeah. 
Because before that, I would have been like, I don't know if I want to see Boston. Because right. with their luck, they'll get, you know, shit on. But um, Joe's playing awesome still. Uh, it's unfortunate the time he missed is going to keep him out of the MVP conversation. It's, he's in the conversation, but it's legitimately going to keep him out of contention. But he's having an amazing year. Um, Ben's probably – well. I shouldn't say probably, but he's like top two in defensive player of the year conversation. Tobias is talk for most improved. Like they're just Doc's going to be in the coach of the coach year of conversation. The year. I mean, things are going well, looking good. Um, New Jersey, the Nets scare me. Like that's the East. I think still goes through them, despite the fact that the Sixers will be the one seed. Hopefully, um, James Harden came back yesterday. I think from some injuries. I watched Kevin Durant play a week ago, and it's just like he is so good at what he does, and it looks so easy. Like he can just get anywhere he wants, get any shot he wants, and they can use him as like a decoy too. Like he can stand in the corner and not do anything for like multiple possessions, and then they have Kyrie Irving Irving and James Harden. So – I mean, I'm I'm optimistic. I'm excited, but they're gonna be tough. Kind of hoping they just have like a fluke series and get eliminated yeah. by somebody else. But but in the NBA, one seed conference finals is a, I mean, very realistic for them, right? Yeah. The Sixers should make it to their conference. Finals. Yeah. yeah. So Absolutely. so you know my rule. That's when I start watching. Yeah. All right. So I'm hoping that happens. Yeah. Then I can. Maybe add some value to the city. They also, um, the city of Philadelphia just said, I think, 50% capacity if they make the conference finals. So Wells Fargo will be jumping. And then obviously as the one seed, they keep home court advantage Mm -hmm. throughout the. So then if they make it to the Eastern Conference finals and then Mike tunes in and they start playing like It's all Mike's fault. Is it all? He's a mush. Yep. (laughs) One million percent. Just wanted to make sure. (laughs) So you might want to watch a few games of the series before that just yeah. so that we don't call you a mush. Okay. Fair enough. Um, but, I mean, it's the first year in, like, recent history where the West hasn't been significantly stronger. I mean, LeBron's hurt. Anthony Davis is just back. You know, Golden State's not the team that they've been. I mean, Phoenix is playing awesome, but they've never been here before. Um, I think who comes out of the East is the West should be scared of. Yeah. If it's the Sixers or if it's the Nets, I mean, yeah. they're both really good teams. They are, and they've both had good seasons against West Coast teams. Yeah. Or Western Conference teams. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, I'm excited because obviously our t- my team's in it, but also, like, there's – it's not as, like, foregone. It's not – the conclusion yeah. isn't already made. And, you know, in the past I'd always kind of just been like, well, LeBron's LeBron, but he's legit hurt. He's older and – yeah, now the Sixers. Can yeah, and these run. boys have been playing together for a while, and they've been there before. This yeah. isn't going to be their first playoff stretch, so it'll be interesting to see if they matured. I'm saying if they, and I mean if Ben matured at all and can step up their game in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I've had a lot of beef with Ben all year. Um, By the way, I love it because <laughs> Ben could do no wrong for the first four years. Yeah, I mean, he needs to be more often. We know this. Um, well, I heard I didn't watch the game the other night when Ben when Joe didn't play, but I heard like Ben was like being aggressive 
and everybody's just like, dude, why don't you do that when right, Joel's right. on the court? Well, in his defense, when Joel's on the court, it can't happen the same way because Joe just takes up way too much space. And the offense has to run through Joe. So Ben automatically becomes Invisible. secondary. But I think the the issue is Joe didn't play a lot of games this year, right? And like our li- that lineup without Joel should be able to go into Indiana and win a game, close out the season, and be done. They were, they, they, they were Indiana, up by 16 at Indiana one point. Indiana had like three players, that, three of their best players that weren't playing. Well, yeah, I know that. That's like that's what the thing. Happened? It's like if Ben's gonna be aggressive, be aggressive in the games where he's where Joe's not there, and just end them. Like yeah. he's he's a top five in terms of like overall athleticism in the league. He is an amazing defender who can impact the, both sides of the ball in ways that like most people can't do. But offensively, he's irrelevant. <laughs> And I read a tweet the other day, like people were arguing about it. It was like, you know, he he assisted or had the secondary assist on like 16 field goals. And I'm like, he passed the ball from the top of the key to the wing. Right. Like, let's not. Yeah. He started the offense. And look, there's times when he brings the ball down the court and things go just because he goes. But like. Let's not forget that he dr- walks the ball up. And this is coming from another point guard. <laughs> like throwing the ball to somebody who then passes it to somebody else and shoots a wide open three. We're not going to talk about the secondary yeah. assist. Half in that. the time, he doesn't even walk the ball up. He watches it roll up the, <laughs> up the court and then he picks it up at the top of the key. So, Yeah. Well, hopefully they win tonight and End it. can just, yeah, rest until the playoffs. Go Sixers. Coach's Corner, want to get rich quick, who can stop you? This is from the Wall Street Journal, written by Jason Zwag. Is that how you say his name? Yeah, Zwag. Zwag. When everybody except you seems to be getting rich quick, what you need most is prudent guidance from a financial advisor. However, what happens when your advisor gets caught up in the headline-driven hysteria of market environments like we are experiencing now? Everything from crypto to inflation... SPACs, NFTs. It seems like every day there's something new on the market and your financial advisors can have more undue influence than you may realize. Either you guys have a take on this? I thought it was an interesting kind of position based on like the, the couple of things that I just mentioned in terms of all of the things that are being talked about now. Um, that feels unique to me, right? All of the different elements of markets new kind of old and and in between but somebody who instead of you know you have an advisor to answer your questions about these things or to come to with you know seeking guidance somebody saying you know they're humans too and they may be susceptible to all of this kind of and i'm saying hysteria i know i said earlier but it, it feels that way and i just i haven't read a lot of this so i thought it was an interesting take yeah so the with respect to crypto, one of the things in the article was that there was a survey, and again, a survey could be completely useless, but surveyed a bunch of advisors, 1,000 advisors, and um, 17% who said, I don't put clients' assets into digital currency, but I'm going to do it this year. Um, another quarter of them said, clients are asking for it, so I'm going to do it which means you're just an order taker. Yeah. 
<laughs> and then 30% said their clients are saying they want something new, or no, 30% of the advisors said they want something new to offer their clients, the new shiny thing. Yep. And then 40%, close to 40% said, well, there's high potential returns. The 30%, <laughs> let me interrupt you real yeah. quick. The 30% that said, we want something new are people that are advisors that cannot articulate their value. They can't defend what they do. Yep. So they need to have something new to justify the fees they charge. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah. Continue, please. No, no. Those, so those were kind of the, um, I'm not saying it's surprising stats because we know kind of who's out there um, yeah. giving advice. But, uh, but Meg, no, you're right. I, I think that this year is, is more so than any other just incredible in the amount of volatile assets and things that are just going from zero to infinity and then of course all the all the stories about people who are becoming you know fu rich and stuff Mm -hmm. as a result but Mm -hmm. um of course all those stories you have to take with a grain of salt as usual um but it is an incredibly bizarro world year um not just crypto but you know the price of timber and which i think we'll talk about maybe a little bit but the price of a lot of different things that are just absolutely houses real estate i mean it's just everywhere you look it is off the charts insane um This was an interesting article for me personally because I started in my career in 1999. So I started in financial services. Now, it wasn't like financial advising like we do now. It was for an insurance company, and they they, they told me I could do financial advising, but it was really like life insurance sales. But we did some like investment as well. So I got in at the tail end of the Internet boom. And I remember like meeting with clients that I had at that time, kids I went to college with and friends and family and other clients that we had. And I mean, 99, I I knew nothing, right? So just following the lead of other quote unquote advisors in the agency and like putting clients in like internet funds and technology funds that just got destroyed. (laughs) Like, so I, I knew no better. And they were all not very good advisors. So they were caught up in, yeah, the new shiny thing is that's how they justify their existence. And you got to be a part of this because everybody's getting 50, 60, 80% returns and you need to. And so I learned a lot from that experience. I learned that what we're experiencing today with NFTs and crypto, you, you if you got in in the beginning when no one else knew about it, you you made a lot of money. And if you do it now, it's pure speculation and you're probably going to lose a lot of money. And this it's not different this time. These things are not going to be the new normal. For the last two decades that I've been doing this, the average rate of return of equities is 10 or, you know, or eight to 10, whatever you want to call it. And if you are looking for returns higher than that, you are going to take more risk than that. And it's going to be speculation. So I don't think these things are going to change the the long-term rate of returns that we can expect. And I remember being an advisor in 08 and, and, and 2002. In 08, I was more seasoned than I was in 02. So I remember clients 
freaking out because the market had lost 45, 50%. I remember like conversation after conversation telling clients to stay in it. Please, you have to stay in it. I know that the the banks have failed. Lehman Brothers went out of business. Uh, Goldman, it was no, it wasn't Goldman. It was, uh, what was Bear it? Stearns. Bear Stearns gone. It's different this time. Like, please just trust that it will come back. And it did. But I remember after having 2,000 of those conversations, walking out of a meeting one day and looking at a, my at our business partner, Owen, going, dude, do you think it'll ever come back? Like, like I started to doubt it. And those two or three time periods, 99, 02, 08, helped me like get seasoned as an advisor. Like, I don't feel it at all right now. Like, yeah, go chase crypto if you want. We don't do that here, right? Um, don't worry if this is a high point and, and, and there's a downturn coming up. Like, it'll come back. Like, I'm very calloused from all those past experience. So I, I, this article really resonated with me. I think that's a good point. And I think in our business, um, a lot of our clients feel that way too, right? Because they were investors in those timeframes, yeah. right? I think the difference now is the social media element, right? Like we have now this connect, this connectivity to everybody else who's getting rich quick. And I mean, it's FOMO, right? It's the fear of missing out. It's a very real thing. And um, when you have access to a feed of people who, or, or headline feeds, like you were saying, Mike, you know, people are just getting dumb rich off of these, you know, speculative, yes, but it's real money. I mean, it's not like, it's not fake. In, Assuming in, they're telling the truth. Sure. Assu yes. Yes, of course. Assuming those social media outlets that you're getting this information is actually true and they and they made it that one day and didn't lose it two days later and they don't sure. talk about it. No, absolutely. That's And that's another good point. But like, think about how we consume information, right? You see one guy who made $1.52 million in a crypto transaction or whatever, like, you don't care if it's fake. Like, you've, j you've seen that. You don't question. I mean... We do maybe, but like not everybody is like, oh, there's no way that's real or let me see the balance sheet, you know? Like, yep. so I think it's, it, there's that element that is layered on top of all of these um, new shiny things that is what leads people to, you know, our clients calling us and saying like, you know, does this fit? Is yep. there a space for this in our portfolio? And, you know, the vast majority of the time, the answer is, no, but if you go over here with your play account or with money that's not consequential to your plan and do it, okay. But that's not, you know, a. It's not something we're going to do for. No, you. it's not. A, it's not a core competency, and and maybe it will be right. Maybe crypto and the blockchain and buzzwords right now, like maybe that becomes an element of our business. It's going to become an element of other, you know, financial advisors. I'm sure, but I think now it's just heightened because I can type you know bitcoin into twitter and just read and scroll and read and scroll and i think the sheer volume of participants is yeah. off the charts unprecedented i mean the number of trades at all the brokerages but also the the, the coin bases of the world the crypto platforms is, is just off the charts and it reflects all of these mostly younger people who are in this for the first time some of them making wild amounts of money and, you know, others not so, but 
And then it's also just so bizarrely tied to, you know, tweets from Elon Musk. And, and it's yeah. absolutely insane. This guy comes out and announces or tweets out that, you know, Tesla's going to start accepting Bitcoin as payment. And also Tesla bought some Bitcoin to sort of test the waters. And that's when Bitcoin really ripped up to its all-time high. And then just, I think, yesterday he tweeted out. You are dialing back on Bitcoin because I'm now aware that it uses a lot of energy and it's bad for the environment, right? Like the mining part of it. And it's down 10% today. It, it's just, I'm, I'm astonished at how much um, capital flows in and out of crypto or even Tesla, the company, based on what this one, one dude. Oh, dude, okay, I'll, I'll leave it at dude, what this one <laughs> dude says. Um, and then the whole, you know, the whole furor running up to his SNL appearance this past weekend, which I didn't watch, but I saw the clip. It's, I mean, lots of people were paying attention to what this guy's going to say in his monologue and how that's going to move Dogecoin and, and crypto or whatever other things he's talking about. It's, it's insanity. Yeah, the connectivity, I think that that social media aspect of it the ability to because it doesn't take many stories for a 25 year old to read that this person became rich that i mean it, it takes yeah. what like four or five times you read a story and like oh my gosh it's gotta be it's gotta like it's gotta work like i i should probably yeah. do I'll this open up an account and I'm yeah gonna, yeah where there's thousands of other people's that people that lost their shirts because of it and then how many people are gonna hold it Right. I mean, so think about it this way, like crypto Bitcoin took off, went down dramatically, took off again. Mm -hmm. We know that's the that's the trend for uh, an asset like that. It's going to be pretty volatile. So the people that stick with it may end up losing when it has its next dip and some will bail and lose money. Some will stick with it. It will come back and they'll sell it at some point and make money. And a lot of them are like rookies. Will they even realize that they have to pay capital gains tax on it? Will they even realize if it's short term or long term and the difference between the two? And then, and then the following April, they're going to get a tax bill and be like, what the F? Like, I got to come up with $200,000 in capital gains tax because it was short term, not long. Like, and if I held it for one more month, it would have been 15% less. Like, crazy. I think a lot of that crap is going to happen. And, and we're not going to, you're not going to hear about that because mm -hmm. I just don't think. That's not what people want to hear. They want to hear how successful you were and how much money you made. And that just makes me, it, like, I, it makes me sick. I, I just don't, I'm so old school that, like, I believe you accumulate wealth by, like, working hard and taking time to accumulate it. And any way that you can get wealthy quick, there's something wrong with it. Yeah. I, so I've said this for a while. Like people go, what's oh, fear and greed? Fear, you know, when, when markets are going down or assets are going down, people are afraid. <clears throat> they bail. They, they're afraid of losing money. And then on the other side, it's greed. I never, I don't think that. I think it's fear on both sides. Megan, you said it. FOMO. It's fear of missing out. Yeah. I think drives people's behavior on the upside way more so than greed. Um, yeah. You know, these... And again, I'm going to point at young people. I'm generalizing, but they're they're at a party or they're with their friends, and they're, the the talk is so. What's your crypto position? You know, or whatever they're, and and then people start to think, well, I better have a crypto position. If I don't yeah. have one. Yeah, um, yeah, Jeff. I mean, you're you're spot on. I think it's 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 old. It's an old like what I was like listening to what I was saying as I was saying it, and yeah. I sound like a grandfather. Mm -hmm. Like because I know there's ways that you can make money quickly, and it's. 
But my experience in, in, in this industry, like I'll give you a quick example, is um, when life settlements or premium financing were happening, where you can sell, encourage your clients to sell their life insurance policies. I mean, I knew advisors that were having people buy life insurance policies that were financed by a bank with the intent to sell them two years later. So the client comes out of pocket zero for the 200000 in premium for the first two years. Then, a, then they turn around. So the bank pays the premium. Then they turn around and sell it to a life settlement company for a commission of $600,000. And like people were trying to get me, dude, Jeff, you got to start doing this. And I looked at that, like this crypto thing, you got to start doing this. You got to start investing in it. And I was like, first of all, what you just do is fraudulent because there's a question on the life insurance app. Do you intend to sell it? And you said no, because at the time you didn't intend when you knew damn well two years from now you were going to sell it. But like to make money that quickly, there's something wrong. It's not right. I think meeting those things with healthy skepticism is fair, right? Because I think to say it's wrong is probably not accurate either. You're right. Because it's not illegal. Like people aren't doing something illegally, which the life settlement scenario you just described is. It's fraudulent. Yeah, it's fraudulent. but I think, you know, us as professionals are, you know, our role is to be that kind of like settle down, right? Yeah. Like there is a lot being talked about, a lot being said. Elon Musk is moving this thing with his tweets. Um, I don't I don't feel like we should be expected to be experts, right? Especially in, in a brand new investment. Yes, yes. Um, brand new asset class. But I think to for us to be maybe the skeptical ones so our clients glean some of that skepticism from us, right? It's like, look, it's crazy right now and you're going to want to participate. And again, like financially, if we can afford to possibly lose something, then let's talk about it if that's going to, you know, if that's what interests you. Um, But I, I think it's maybe important to say that like what's happening isn't wrong and we shouldn't maybe be looking at it as wrong. I agree with you. And in our business, it, it, there's, there's a caveat. It's a little different. A lot of our clients have accumulated wealth. They don't need to take excessive risk sure. to make their plan successful. Yes. So it's as fiduciaries, it's, it's in their best interest to guide them away from something that's brand new and shiny that could lose a lot of money sure. for a significant amount of their wealth. Yes, that's a good point. Um, what sucks is they look at us when we say what you just said. Look, this is brand new. Don't expect us to be an expert on it. And, you know, our advice is you probably should shy away from it. But if you got five or ten grand that you don't mind losing, go ahead. They interpret that us. They, they interpret that from us like we're idiots, like we're dummies. Well, you're just you. You don't know. You don't know what you're talking about because everyone else is doing it and being successful. And I can't believe that you're so hard. I mean, I know that's how they feel. Yeah. But it's the absolute best advice. And then when you have a younger person that's trying to amass wealth, it's almost, it, it's, it's unsuitable for, to tell them, yeah, take the 20 grand that you have and let's try to turn it into 20 million. Because if they lose it, they got to start all over and that's all they had. And yeah. the likelihood of it turning into 20 million or even 2 million is like highly unlikely. So yeah. it's very difficult for me to sit here and try to think of a circumstance where it would be suitable to recommend that to someone other than you got 5 million bucks, you want to take 10 grand and try to make it work. Go ahead. I can't think of a suitable recommendation other than that. Yeah, I mean, I don't don't think it's going to come from us as a recommendation, right? I'm saying more 
responding to people who have an interest in it. Because I think there are obviously a fair amount of people who do. I think there's a fair amount of people still who feel very skeptical about it as well. Um, so I don't I don't mean it like, oh, we're going to present a plan that has a crypto right. sleeve or but like a crypto out. our response to their inquiry. Yeah, it's like, yeah. look, for the reasons you just described, like you, you have a $20,000 emergency fund, you have two kids, you own a home. No, right. Right. like you can't afford to take any of that and put it in crypto. Um, but maybe the the retiree who has you know two million bucks in a pension and social security and wants to take ten grand and whatever play with it like you know in those scenarios and obviously it's a case by case basis um, I, I guess there could be a place where we are not saying no you know I I like to follow like one golden rule that I've learned over my career, which is if I can't understand it, then I shouldn't allow, and allow is probably not the right word, but I shouldn't condone a client investing in it. Like if I can't understand it, I certainly shouldn't recommend it. And I shouldn't be okay with them going into it because if I don't get it, they probably don't get it. Or at the very least, you should just shouldn't be giving them the advice on it. Yeah. Right? Like if you're doing this outside of us or me, go do it, whatever. But I, I but don't, I don't want any parts it. of it. Yeah. yeah. And crypto is where I, I fall there. I don't understand it well enough to know that it's got. There's, but but one one answer could just be look. I don't. I'm not. I'm making up numbers, but the six trillion dollars that was just rained down on everyone, a lot of it ended up in crypto and in joke cryptos and in altcoins and in things that literally are worth less. They're worth zero, and now they're worth you know, something significant. I'll, that is a bubble. And that is, like, I'm not saying that Bitcoin is going to end up, Bitcoin might be the winner. I don't know, like Ethereum. I, I, and I'm again, I'm not right. predicting anything, but there's hundreds of bullshit cryptocurrencies and digital currencies out there now that are worth zero, but right now they're worth something more. And so the answer to me is a lot of that is a result of just people having money given to them and they are just we were talking about a minute ago they're looking around and they're seeing it go from you know a thousand percent returns in two months and they're they're putting they're putting even small amounts for them but in the aggregate it's a lot what you said earlier i think is like the a good summary of this conversation which is it's not fear and greed it's fear and fear like i never looked at it that way but that is a bigger driver that fear of missing out on what everyone else is getting is, 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 it's not really like I need and I want more money. It's just like I'm an idiot by watch sitting around not doing what they're doing. Yeah. And that's a, another psychological fact or finding that is well known, which is that if you, if someone asked you, okay, how much wealth would you need to feel comfortable, satisfied, that the answer would be X. But then when you tell them, oh, by the way, do you realize your neighbor has X times three? They want more. They change their answer. Yeah. 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 So That's chickens, fun. huh? <laughs> <laughs> How's that for a segue? <laughs> Earlier, Mike mentioned the lumber shortage. <laughs> the old lumber yard. <laughs> there was another article in the Wall Street Journal written by Heather Hayden and Jacob Bunge. Chicken shortage sends prices soaring and restaurants can't keep up. 
We all know there's a shortage of lots of products right now. And chicken is no different. Heather and Jacobs. Heather and Jacob explain some of the factors contributing to restaurants running out of or limiting sales of tenders, fillets, and wings, cutting into some of their most reliable sales. I didn't, I didn't realize how much went into like the chicken sandwich at Wendy's before I read this article. Like how really? much chicken? No, just like that industry and how much is involved in it. And they were mentioning all these different companies like Plant Pharma like, so, like company and this company. I'm like, I thought they just like had farms that had chickens and you kill them and you send them to Wendy's. Like it's a way more complicated no. than that. No. And I didn't even like, it didn't even dawn on me and it should have, but I'm obviously not the brightest bulb in, in the pack. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, wings are like wings are short too. Cause I was immediately thinking like chicken sandwiches, but then yeah. there's like wings and boneless wings and tenders and like. Lots of chicken variants. Yeah. So there's like two sides to this apparently. Cause I, re- I did read the article. So on the on the supply, are you implying I didn't? No, 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 no. But on the <laughs> supply side, and I'm I'm gonna be probably raked over the coals by a friend of mine who listens and is actually in the chicken business. <laughs> um, Shout out chicken th- business. There's guy. a there's a um, there was a problem with one of the Purdue or one of the biggest you know suppliers where they they screwed something up and so there was a shortage of actual supply of chicken meat. At the same time. McDonald's comes out with their new spicy chicken sandwich, and there's all these because um, it's such a popular like Chick Fil A's. There was a chicken it. sandwich war last yeah, year. Remember, yeah, Popeyes yeah. had the what so I think now was deemed the better. One. Everyone apparently just loves the chicken sandwich, the spicy chicken, and whatever else from. And there's you know a dozen places to get it. So you combine the two, and all of a sudden you're, you can't get wings, and you're Shortage. you're paying. Uh, you're paying a premium. Three times, three times so, as much for a sandwich. Has this impacted the price of chicken sandwiches? Yes. yes. Did you re- not read the article? You definitely didn't read the article. I can't believe you guys read an article titled Chicken Shortage Sends Prices Soaring. Yeah. Uh, they, they definitely have gone up. My question is, is this going to drive demand for burgers? And should mm. we be investing in, like, beef futures? Or are we going to see a billboard? Like, eat more beef. cows. <laughs> All right, so chicken, know. also lumber, right? It's everything. The lumber is insane. The lumber is insane. That's right like now. a six or seven times increase in the price of lumber, which helps explain, I guess, a little bit of the real estate um, market, with, yeah. especially for new construction. Like new construction, yeah. Um, it's why it makes new construction very expensive. So all of the established homes that are hitting the market now are just flying. Yeah, are mm-hmm. in way more demand. Yep, and why renovation projects are you know twenty four months out on the calendar because there's just I can't can't do it if I don't have the you know the raw material. We looked for Adirondack chairs. Uh, mm. The 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 chick I spoke to said um, twenty four to thirty six months. Mm-hmm. Or no, I'm sorry, twenty four to thirty six weeks. I was like, what? Like just to get a chair? Okay. I met, I met with a client who is redoing their bathroom. And they got a quote to have it redone maybe like three years ago and never pulled the trigger. The quote from three years ago was fifteen grand. Somebody came back two weeks ago with sixty. Oh my god! And like supplies, like the the yeah. difference in what they were going to have to acquire to do the renovation was mostly the difference in total price i read something i I couldn't find the articles related to the lumber thing i read something that like 
when it, it might have been the COVID, um, the out onset of COVID, a lot of the suppliers and manufacturers of, you know, at lumber yards and places just dialed back dramatically because they were afraid they were heading into another sort of 08, yeah. 09 situation yeah. where there's just things were overbuilt, oversupplied, and a lot of them went out of business. And the time it takes to get back online, the time it takes to kind of correct all that stuff is significant and like we're we're feeling it now yeah same thing with autos i think you know rental cars are mm-hmm. insane you can't get can't em. get them yeah people are renting u-hauls instead of cars instead of cars wow yeah like my my girlfriend went to the masters they like had a rental car reservation that they the company was just like sorry they get to Georgia, don't have a car for them, so they literally rented a U-Haul. It's a great pivot. And just drove the U-Haul around for it's a, great a weekend. Pivot. Great pivot. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think that this comes down, or are we at a point like it, it has to? Right. I think so. It's not like something that's is high and stays high. I thought about that, and I'm, I, I don't have an answer. My, I would probably lean towards it. It, it probably stays high, right? Like why? I mean, if you can get away with charging that, like I was talking to the guy who cuts our grass and he said, look, I'm sorry, I haven't been around. I've lost five guys because there's a shortage of workers. So other landscape companies are hiring my guys at $20 an hour. I pay 15 and I'm like, dude, you just you got to like increase what you charge to cut grass. And once you, once you raise that price, like you're not going to come back a year later and lower it again. Right, you go from forty bucks a cut to forty-five. That's the new number. So I think you, you bring up a good point, which is the shortage of labor, and then how that's impacted all this shortage of supplies of stuff too. Like, um, you know, the bounties that are on every window of you know a fast food joint or a Wawa, which is like we're paying you to come work here, yeah. so like a bonus, and they still can't get people to leave their basements and you know. Stop yeah. trading crypto to come in and work. <laughs> and, and so you multiply that by all the other industries that you need the people to actually build, deliver, and execute the product, and they're not there. Yeah. That'll come to an end, though. I mean, the uh, enhanced, yeah, yeah. The enhanced yeah. social, sec- or social security, the enhanced unemployment benefits will run out. They won't renew it. They can't. Like, they have to stop. I agree, but there's, there's a – I agree. You don't have to agree. Uh, it it does have to stop, but the the ramifications for when it does stop are a little worrying. Yeah. So the jobs that, report that came out today, though, is that like cl- job claim jobless claims were at a low in the pandemic era, which I don't even know when that starts. I guess March of twenty twenty. Probably. Um, <clears throat> yeah, because you have to basically be actively looking for work to mm-hmm. make a claim. I mean, unless you lie, but. And so many people are not looking for work. Right. So. It's going to be very interesting to see how this all unravels, the, the, un, uh, the unemployment benefits and, the, and then how that affects. And it's uh, connected to minimum wage yep. and all that. Yeah, how it affects yeah. employment. Mm-hmm. Like all these employers, like you just mentioned, that are, look, that are look, like looking for, like my daughter works at a country club as a waitress. And she's like, I have to do, I'm doing doubles like every day because they don't have any servers. Yeah, there's no body. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, how that affects materials and how it affects the market. I mean, you'd think it would be kind of good, right? More people more working. More people working. The ability for more material, the ability to purchase more goods. I mean, that would probably be a good thing. 
I think for certain businesses that are stuck and their supply chains are, you know, kind of frozen and they can't sell any more product, it's it's going to get better for them. And then they have, but they for others, have... they don't have to, you know, that that don't. For others, that their cost of labor is low because they're not paying people and they're still selling stuff. Yeah, but then they can hire more people because there's going to be people looking for work and they can have access to more supplies to to build more stuff and do more things. I don't know. I mean, I'm, 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 I am the eternal optimist when it comes to the market. So Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's a good case. I th- And I think generally, like, though, like when, I mean, today the market's green and I'm not saying it's because of the job, but like every month when there's a jobs report based on if it's, if it beats expectations or doesn't, the market reacts. Yeah. So I think like day to day, sure. Um, longer term, I guess. Who really knows? Shall be interesting. Top five acting performances portraying a real person. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really you good. The nailed way you, it. Yeah. I thought that was really good the way you wrote it. <laughs> I think there's gonna be a lot of overlap here. I do too. So I'll go. Go ahead. You, uh, you want me to go? You want me to go? Uh, I hate when I like take other people's. No, no, it's okay. All right, so I'll start with the two obvious ones. A couple backups. Um, Jamie Foxx as Ray. Like, I, that's my number one. Like, uh-huh. it, he was so good. I thought I was watching Ray Charles. I feel like I didn't really appreciate or understand how talented Jamie Foxx is. Yeah. Until that point. Yeah, that's when he got on that map. Yeah, and now everything he does, I'm yeah. like, dude, you could do, you could read the dictionary you know like you could do anything and i would pay attention for our listening audience if you haven't seen ray it's a must watch all seven of you yes please um uh, number two another obvious one will smith and muhammad ali didn't have that i I actually never saw it so i couldn't put it on there He, he nailed it really good um i'm gonna go leonardo dicaprio as frank abagnale in catch me if you can i had that but then I read something which is so true. First of all, I read that book in college. Did you really? I, mean, my I didn't even know there was a book it. It was, it was like, We were like, this is the coolest story ever. He was like our hero. <laughs> now, have you ever seen the real Frank Abagnale? Yeah, yeah. Leo, they didn't even attempt to make him look anything like Well, the him. real Frank Abagnale is like 90 right now, dude. Well, yeah, but at the time it, he was... Is he ugly? Yeah, nah, I don't, no. He's probably not an ugly, ugly dude. No. no. Um but yeah, I, I considered that one, but that, that's a okay. good one. Yeah. Uh, Jamal Woolard played Biggie in Notorious 2009. I thought he kind of like, I thought he kind of killed Nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah. Good. Um, and then my last one is Emma Stone as Billie Jean King in Battle of the Sexes. Did you guys ever see that movie? No. Yeah. It's a really good one. Okay. Yeah, she's Billie Jean King, and Billie Jean King has a match against, I guess, I think he's a, a pro tennis player, male. And the guy was just the cockiest son of a bitch on the planet. And uh, it was like Bobby, I forget the guy's name that okay. she played. Bob, Bobby King or something like that. Okay. You want me to go? Sure. All right. So I also had Jamie Foxx. Um, Julia Roberts as Aaron Brockovich. I love that movie. I've never seen it. You don't like Julia Roberts? There was like quite a eye roll there. I don't necessarily dislike Julia Roberts. I don't like how often Pretty Woman's on TV, and that kind of bothers me, which in turn makes me feel negatively towards her. That's fair. Her body of work is awesome. Like, I could go through 
maybe not Pretty Woman because I don't really love the premise. It's actually mm-hmm. kind of yeah. awful. But um, like my best friend's wedding, stepmom, Aaron Brock. Like she's just done really good shit. I mean, there are genres that are like not super appealing to you. Yeah, they're not in my wheelhouse. They're watchable, but I'm not like, oh my god, I want to watch that again. <laughs> Eat, pray, love. Um, Taylor Kitsch as David Koresh in Waco. Wow. Oh, I never saw Dude. that. So I watched Good. Waco over quarantine and Taylor Kitsch is Tim Riggins. So right. like, again, yeah, could watch this man do anything. He was awesome. And I didn't really, un- I didn't know a lot about like the Waco situation. Um, but he nailed the like cult leader who yeah. could just influence and uh, brainwash <laughs> yeah yeah right his followers um so it, it i enjoyed that did you guys ever see walk the line yeah so was... i i put reese as yeah. um june carter cash it was another one where like i just didn't know she was that talented cuz she was like she sang herself in that role and was so awesome. did um Joaquin. Yeah. Joaquin. I mean, they both kind of killed it. They both killed yeah. it. I just, I think I had this version of Reese, which was rom com yeah. like, woman, and she came in and just nailed it. She nailed it in that movie. Um, And then Margot Robbie as Tanya Harding. Did you guys see I, Tanya? Yeah. No. I thought it was really good. I really like her. Um, And again, I didn't, I'm a little bit too young for, like, the whole Tanya Harding drama, but she was Awesome. Yeah. Hmm. Those two are like my backups. Reese and Margo. Yeah, yeah. All right. So I'll go off the board. I have enough for, for a unique five. There's, um, there's got to be a hockey movie. <laughs> no, there really isn't any. Um, What's the... Uh, I got Val Kilmer. It's Jim Morrison. Oh, good one, dude. Did you ever see that? The right? Doors? Yeah. Yeah, that was a really... That's a good call. You uh, yeah. See, you go back a little further. Go back a little further. <laughs> <laughs> Pull out some gems, dude. <laughs> Um, and along the same lines, um, I saw enough of the movie just to put it on the list. The, the guy's name is, I think, Rami Malek. Oh, I Fred, hated it. Really? Hated it. Freddie Mercury? Oh, my God. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my hated God. It? No, I loved it. Yeah, I, mean, I he loved it. He, I he, he, he really nailed it, it, dude. I c- you just couldn't get I over saw. his teeth. I couldn't get over his teeth. <laughs> but I just... Oh, everybody Dude, it awesome. loved it. It, it was awesome. Every, yeah, and I just, I watched it, and I was like, this is a waste of my time. Another great call. I should have thought of the music genre. I didn't really think of that. The other one who I thought was um, really good in the role was, and I, I don't know his name. It's a Portuguese name, Wagner something. He played Pablo Escobar in Narcos. Oh, the God, first another season. good one, dude. That's a good yeah. one. Yeah, he was good in that. Yeah. Um, the other one that I, I thought of, another weird name, I couldn't tell, tell you how to pronounce it, Taron Egerton, played Elton John in, did you see that uh, Rocket Man? it's called? No, I didn't. Is that good? It's good. It really was. Yeah. He did a great job um, as Elton. Do you have anything from this decade? <laughs> I don't know if this is, yeah, this is my last one. I got, I got Jack Nicholson as Whitey Bulger in The Departed. That was a real guy? I didn't know that was a real guy. Whitey Bulger? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. I love The Departed. I don't know if he was like playing like a good version of him or not. Sure, sure. Yeah, the character was awesome. Mob boss. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's probably a couple of Capones out there that right. I could have selected. Right. Um, did you guys ever see um, Ford versus Ferrari? Never did. It's on my list. Heard it's no. really good. Yeah, Christian Bale plays um, the guy's name. And is, who's the other guy? Uh, Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Christian Bale plays Ken Miles. Um, and he, I mean, I, I don't know who Ken Miles is, but like they'll show you pictures of him, the real him during the movie. And he's like, I think Christian Bale lost like 100 pounds for that role. He's like totally skinny. And it's it's worth a watch. Definitely move it up your list. I just thought of Herman Boone, Denzel. Remember the Titans? Oh, yeah. Yeah, another good one. I love that movie. Yeah. Maybe if we put this pod together with some days advance. <laughs> Actual we preparation. Would have, yeah. Good. I think, Mike, I think Mike wins that one. I don't, I don't think I've ever I, won one. That's because like you. <laughs> you have to go back further. You Thanks for listening. Yeah, until next time. <laughs> See ya.